It's Thursday, October 26, 2017. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are so happy to have David and Tara Melberg with us on the Defender Podcast, and they are from Atlanta, Georgia, where David serves with North American Mission Board and more specifically, Send Relief. They are parents of three children. Uh, Their oldest daughter is a sophomore in college and was adopted from the Philippines, and they have two precious boys, 15 and 11 who they adopted from Ethiopia. And so David and Tara, we're just so grateful to to have you guys here and to be able to hear your story. And let's just start there. Would you tell us just a little bit about your story of adoption, how the Lord brought you to adoption, how he's used that to shape your family? Yeah, well, thank you for having us. And it is a, well, it's always good to reflect back and just consider how the the Lord did open us up to that. Because, I mean, really where we grew up, and early on in our marriage, the thought of adoption honestly had never really crossed my mind. And we didn't actually even know many people that had adopted. And during my my prior job, uh, we had a lot of international partnerships. And one of those partnerships was helping kids in Moldova. And I'd taken a mission trip there. And basically just as kind of a fact gathering time on how we might grow a partnership. And during that trip, I stepped foot in an orphanage the very first time. And, you know, I remember vividly, you know, this huge building, a four to five story concrete building. It's in December in Moldova, so it's very cold and kind of dreary outside. And going this massive building that has six to 700 kids in it, concrete walls, concrete floor. Uh, I mean, it almost looked like a multi-story prison. And, you know, that just really hit that there are, there are orphans in this world and there are just not 143 million of them, but there's just individuals with faces, with, with lives and with hopes and desires to have a loving family. And it really, really just impacted me that, you know, this is, this is not acceptable and something should be done. And, um, you know, like, like always, we always think something should be done and it's really much more the question, what should we do? And anyway, as Tara and I talked about it, uh, that really kind of opened my eyes and I'll let her kind of fill in, fill in from her perspective on this. Well, David and I really love being parents. We actually have three biological children as well. And the kids at that time were 11, nine and six, or maybe even a little bit younger than that, 10, 10, eight, and five, when uh, he came home from Moldova, really broken and said, we love being parents. We, we have no reason to not uh, move forward in this. Let's pray together. And it didn't take very long for us to come together very quickly to say, we absolutely can do this. Um, The problem was we, as David said, this was not in kind of our circle of life growing up a lot. I think I knew one person who was adopted um, as an infant when we were growing up and we didn't know anybody really who had done international adoption, you know, personally. And so we just started praying through it and knew that we would really like to adopt an older child. Those were the kids that David saw there. We were 
um, incredibly naive about everything that goes along with that. And um, we were honestly, it was just sort of like a childlike faith. We were just following every step that we could, following hard after the Lord, begging him for direction. And we assumed we would adopt from Moldova. And as we started the process, the government of Moldova closed adoptions. And through a series of events, we ended up going to the Philippines to bring home our daughter, Mary Tess, who turned seven two weeks after she came home. And so um, we actually adopted out of birth order. She happens to be 10 months older than our youngest son at the time. And um, we really jumped into these waters. I, I say we were really kind of ill-prepared um, and we had to learn a lot on the fly and our social workers were incredible and we just really began educating ourselves on everything trauma related and the Lord was very gracious in allowing us to have this precious daughter and we had four kids and we were done having kids or so we thought. And um, the Lord uh, decided to do something a little bit different through our uh, four kids. To, uh, you know, about a year later, our children came to us and said, hey, uh, we were getting ready to teach a class called Considering Adoption at our church. So we had all of our stuff laid out on the kitchen table. And our oldest son at the time came in and said, are we adopting again? And I said, oh, no, honey, there are four kids in this family now. Mom and dad are, you know, tired. <laughs> we, we don't think we're going to do this anymore. And he was angry. He said, you know, later on, he wanted to call a family meeting with dad and with me. And uh, we said, what, what's going on, buddy? And he said, I don't know how you could possibly put a price on the salvation of a child and allowing a child to have a family. And we all, the four kids, had gotten together to talk, and we all think that we need a brother hmm. from Africa. <laughs> what? what? So, through, long story short, the Lord um, opened our hearts to that. And crazy enough, after we turned in our paperwork, the next day we got a refer referral, and five months later, we were picking up our son in Ethiopia. That doesn't happen now, but it happened then. It was kind of a pilot program at the time. And so we were done again. And then uh, three years later, we found out about a group of children who had come into an orphanage through a dear friend of ours and, um, who ran an adoption agency. And after praying through it, we determined that we should bring home one of these boys. And so a few months later, we were back in Ethiopia picking up our last son. So that's, in a nutshell, how our family came together, um, all because David followed the Lord to Moldova and saw something that we didn't mm. even know existed. Wow. Well, I know that's such a picture of the way the Lord works in, in mysterious ways through a trip to Moldova and the Lord's just pricking on David's heart and then to the conviction of your children to come and to approach mom and dad. I, I know you guys have also been blessed to live in a lot of, of places where there's been a rich adoption community. And I know, you know, your adoption of Mary Tess, there, there wasn't a whole lot of adoption uh, when you first adopted her, but certainly living in Kentucky, I know there's a lot and a very strong adoption community there. Of course, now you guys find yourself in Atlanta. And, and the neat thing is you are able to have a ministry to other families who are fostering and adopting. 
And because you know the importance of, of what these families need and you know the importance of that journey and how community is such an important part of that, that journey. So can you just talk a little bit about what that looks like for your family to minister to other families who are fostering and adopting? Yeah, I, I think uh, a couple things. One, I think it just gives a tangible demonstration that, hey, you know what, we could do that. And I, I, I look back even, you know, early on with Mary Tess and then Jonas and with Isaac, you know, as we would go to church and people would see us at church and they'd say, you know, it just seems like you, this adoption is so easy and, you know, your kids are so well behaved and, you know, they would, they would kind of see, see them on their Sunday best, I guess, and wouldn't realize some of the, maybe some of the challenges you go through when, when everyone's not looking. But, you know, I think, I think one, it, it helps most of us just realize what's possible when we can see it. It takes it from being theory to actual, there's a face to it and they're looking at Mary Tess or they're looking at Jonas and they're seeing them be a part of our family as just like the, the biological birth children are. So I think one, it gives a, a just a very practical, hey, you know what? They've done that so we could do it. And then, you know, I think for, for our kids, as I just consider about, you know, what's it, what's it meant for them? Mm-hmm. For our biological children, it's fundamentally changed how they see the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just could not, short of going through that experience, there's no way you could have that kind of outcome had they not experienced it firsthand. So how they see the world, how we see the world as a family, as a whole, is so much different. And it, I mean, it does help us uh, sympathize and empathize with, you know, with other couples that may be considering it or may talk about it. Or, you know, I just think, you know, just last night we had some people in our home and they were asking about one of our children. And, you know, I was showing some pictures and it, it's a, it's a great conversation starter that does lead to, um, you know, I think in many cases, the fact that we are adopted by God. So it gives us a chance to have a gospel conversation with so many because it naturally leads there. Mm-hmm. I would say for us, when we were in Kentucky, the adoption culture was so great and so wonderful. And so it wasn't, you know, as the years progressed um, and, and intercountry adoption was um, not easy, but it was easier than it is now. Um, we just found ourselves in a really unique situation where, you know, the evangelical world as a whole was championing um, adoption, which is great. And so we were a part of um, kind of co-founding an adoption and orphan care ministry at our church. We saw hundreds of kids come um, home to their families. But as these children came home, especially people were adopting older kids or sibling groups, we saw families were really hurting. And they wanted to, they didn't want to tell anybody because here we've been making a big deal about it and cheerleading it. And that maybe they weren't supposed to be struggling with kids who'd come from hard places. And so, you know, over the years, I feel like our view, um, the Melbers view and the evangelical world as a whole has really matured in such a way that yes, um, adoption and foster care is very important. 
Yes, it's a mandate of the Lord that we care for widows and orphans in their time of need. Um, however, we've got to prepare people for what they're getting into. And I think that's really where my heart is now in the ministry that we assist with in our church here is making sure people are well prepared. They're going in eyes wide open. It's not a romanticized view. It's not always going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of struggles and we are in it for the long haul. I am team Melbourne kid all day long and we're going to do whatever we can and educate ourselves in whatever way to be able to help these children grow to their fullest potential and be all that the Lord has called them to be. So I feel like now, um, you know, let's say 13 years into this journey of being adoptive parents, I feel really, really passionate about kids, about families being as prepared as they can be on the front end and not receiving a referral or going into it just because it seems like the right thing to do. The Lord has to call your family to do it because if he hasn't called you to be an adoptive or foster parent, it doesn't make you less of a Christian. There are lots of ways you can get involved and it doesn't necessarily mean that this is the path for you. So we just really feel compassionate about making sure families are as equipped as they can be. Well, amen to that. And, you know, really such an important point because, I mean, even thinking about what you do through Sin Relief, David, you obviously are training people up before they go into disaster areas. You're, you're equipping them. And not every person uh, is equipped with what they need or has the tools uh, for what they need to go into disaster areas. Uh, you think of the North American Mission Board. Obviously, you guys are looking at uh, training up and equipping before you send people. And we would never send someone to live overseas without training them up and taking them through cultural sensitivity and helping them look and learn about that new culture. And so what a great point that, Tara, you make too, is we've, we've got to equip these families and help them to be able to know that first and foremost, like you've said, this is, this is a call by the Lord. Not everyone is called to adopt or foster. We're all called to get engaged, but we're not all called to adopt and foster. And we need to, as a church, come and wrap around these families. Well, we're thankful for David and Tara for joining us today. And tomorrow we'll take part in hearing from them again for part two of our interview with David and Tara Melber. Thank you for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.